Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, we did have a Stuart Pierce was a few humourable moments in the oh, show. Yes, we had a bit cute. of a chat, yeah. but there was some serious business to be done this afternoon. England had lost an Ashes, and we got the chance to speak to a former <laughs> England... <laughs> they haven't lost the Ashes yet. Well, They're going they, to. Oh, come on. <laughs> Let's be honest. They have. They're not going to retain it, are they? Anyway, no. England lost an Ashes <laughs> test. OK, I'll qualify that. And Gus Fraser, a former England selector, joined us as well as player to talk about that. Um, John Cross from the Mirror joined us. And we uh, talked about uh, cancellations and whether teams should be playing or not in these uh, troubled times. And uh, that was uh, interesting. He's an Arsenal fan, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's your way of looking at it. And um, what else did we do for you this afternoon? Oh, we we had a chat about various things. Here it all is. Yeah, no, I, I, the cricket I accept, you know, the yeah. Australia, it was, it was inevitable really right from virtually the first day. So I'm not too upset about that. I did that on Friday. Mm. Um, no, this weekend I'm very upset about two things. I'm very upset about the refereeing. Yes. Because it's so predictable. We said on this show last week, yeah. watch what they do this week. They'll start not giving penalties, and yeah. it was. This week, we are mostly not giving That's penalties. That's right. Last week, we are mostly giving everything. This yeah. week, Jesse comes this out is, in his referee's This is Riley, to a T, so reactive. Yeah. He does this all the time. Whatever it was the week before, then they mustn't do They must get an edict or a memo or something saying, yeah. don't give so many penalties. Just judge it on on the, each one on merit, not yes. what happened last week or what's happening next week. It's pathetic. I mean, the, officiating now, how bad does it have to be mm. for Mike Riley to keep his job? Yeah. Is there nobody can say, look, there must be somebody else better running this system, running VAR, running the referees. There must be somebody better than Mike Riley. There's got to be. Or Howard Webb, for a start, is better than him, so we yeah. all know that. So how long can this bloke keep his job? Week in, week out, we get this. And it's, it's pathetic. It is. There's nothing, you know, some of the... It was a great game yesterday, but mm. some of the decisions in that game were ludicrous. We are going to have a chat with... Um... Uh, with Mark Housie about it uh, later on. And I agree. I mean, no, look, if my team benefited from it, A, from a penalty, it was clearly a penalty, and B, from what almost certainly should have been a sending off to Harry Kane. But, of course, the, the not-that-kind-of-lad rule applied. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as Danny Murphy was saying earlier on to the guys, we know there there is something in that. Even Peter Wharton said that today in the... Time, well, he's England captain. The thing is, that. he isn't that kind of lad, um, but he was out of control and he was high. Mm. Um, and so it really should have been a red. I'm obviously delighted it wasn't, but you have to say, in all fairness, mm. if if it was the other way around and Robinson was doing that to Kane, all Tottenham fans would have been screaming for a red card. And the penalty was a penalty, you know. Um, um, uh, Emma Serge uh, Royalier, as I as I now call him, another headless chicken down on the right hand side, hasn't made a massive amount of difference. 
gave away a clear penalty yesterday, you know, got overexcited and you can't argue with that. Where I do disagree with uh, Jurgen Klopp, because I, I agree, agree with an awful lot of what he said after the game yesterday, mm. was his suggestion uh, after the game that um, what Spurs had indulged in was uh, a lot of hoofy, uh, long ball football. No, it wasn't. They played brilliantly on the counter. Tottenham set up a 3-5-2, and when they won the ball, they kicked it as far as they could. No, that's rubbish. That's absolutely rubbish. You know, just because when Trent does it, it's a beautiful 50-yard raking pass. When a Tottenham player does it, it's kick and rush. Which is So that was a bit unnecessary. There's enough chances, Spurs, to win the game, but we'll talk about that later. We certainly will. Talking of Klopp, though, even he thought Chelsea shouldn't have played the match. He said it was dangerous. He was right. I mean, for me, the league... All the integrity of the league is gone. Yeah. I mean, how they could make Chelsea play that game. And some of the match reports I've seen, saying, oh, you couldn't feel sorry for Chelsea. They had £335 million pounds worth of players. They had firepower. What are you talking about? I'd like to see any other team. I'd like to see how Liverpool got on yesterday <coughs> without Mane, Salah, Firmino and Jota, or Spurs without Kane, Son, Bergwijn and Mora. How would that have been? It wouldn't have been much of a game, and it wouldn't be. That's what Chelsea had to do. They had no strikers at all. Mm. They, had, they had to play a bloke that's missed five weeks of football and had one training session, another guy that's missed eight weeks of training, eight weeks of football and had one training session. I mean, they had to pitch them in there. I mean, to be fair, I slaughtered Sal Niguez the other day, but actually, he played really well. In the well, there we are. Maybe he was listening. Look, um, <laughs> this is one of the reasons. But obviously. I just want to make the point yeah. that you know, mm. teams like Manchester United not only are they getting a winter break, but when they do come back and play their games, they'll have full squads. It's completely unfair. It's completely skewed the whole integrity, the whole thing of the league, of the top four race and all of that. It's not right. And for me, it's just left me thinking, well, I don't actually care what happens the rest of this season now. Yeah, if only that were true, Andy. No. I think I think we'll see during the course of the season just how much you do care after uh, the odd defeat or draw. But anyway, this is well all... to get a draw, actually, yesterday. It was they good, did, good, yeah. good point. This is all feeding into the Premier League meeting. I'm sure a lot of the uh, club... Uh, leaders are having their say on this James Savundra is right across it for TalkSport we're going to bring you regular updates if there's any breaking news on potential fire breaks etc then um, we'll be hearing from uh, James Um, James good afternoon good afternoon Paul how are you doing yeah good thank you Um, there's a a few suggestions that they could be looking at maybe taking out fixtures between the 28th and 30th and I take it that will be on the agenda today there'll be clubs pushing for that and others that won't be yeah, there's plenty on the agenda today. We knew that this meeting was going to happen last week, and that was before six of the 10 Premier League games were called off the weekend because a series of clubs registered the spike in COVID cases. So on the agenda today, there is going to be a general discussion on how each club is coping during this pandemic at the moment. And that's after the clubs brought in these emergency measures at their training grounds last week. And one of the key points on the agenda is actually the postponement process of games which you discussed a few moments ago so the Premier League are hoping to provide some sort of clarity on the decisions that have been taken because last week we saw some matches postponed at two and a half hours notice and yesterday as you mentioned we saw Chelsea's request to have yesterday's game at Wolves postponed being rejected and Thomas Tuchel was very angry about that so the guidance we've received in recent time from the Premier League has been that applications are assessed on a case-by-case basis number of factors considered and it's not as simple as do you have 14 fit and available players. So I think the Premier League clubs will welcome some sort of clarity on that. Another key thing actually will be vaccination of players because later this week we understand the Premier League will release figures showing the rate amongst some players. So in mid-October it was revealed only 68% 
of players were double jabbed. Since then, we understand the figures have gone up. But now, of course, there's the issue of encouraging players to ensure they get their booster jab too. But I think the thing that fans will want to know most is, is will there be a potential break when it comes to the Premier League season? And the Premier League, they intend to continue its fixture schedule where safely possible, whilst also accepting health and well-being is the priority. However, if there is a strong feeling that there should be a break, it's going to take 14 clubs to vote in favour. And when it comes to a circuit break, when would that be? When would it finish? And when you consider the likes of Amazon, who have paid huge sums of money to broadcast some of these games over Christmas, there's going to be real hope from the stakeholders that festive games can go ahead if we can make it safer for players. And we wait to see what government guidance comes as well as to whether we can still have full stadiums over this period of time. Thank you, James. Uh, and anything they couldn't care less about the players. You've got to be joking. They don't care about the players. All they care about is the TV money. That's it. We all know that. Anything else is a joke. Anything that does emerge, James, uh, we'll hear from you a little bit later on. James Savundra is right across that and we'll bring it to you uh, as quickly as we possibly can. I have some sympathy for what you said because uh, you do wonder whether the Chelsea game would have been allowed to uh, be called off yesterday had there not been a whole tranche of games already uh, called off. You know, you do wonder if, even if, on the if there were six or seven matches and Chelsea mm. made that um, that mm. appeal in isolation, they probably would have got their game called off. But the and it wasn't on the telly in this country, it wasn't, but it's on around it, the world. It wasn't just the players that were missing. It was also the players that were on the bench that weren't fit enough to play. Or the fact they had to have goalkeepers on the bench. Is that what the Premier League want? Is that what, what they want their title race to be? This one team completely neutered. What? What's the? Well, it's point not just one that? team. Other no, no, teams but, have suffered as well. It's not yeah, like you've been no, singled no, out. Other teams have it, suffered as well. Particularly bad for Chelsea. Everton was bad the other day. That they had a lot of players missing. That game should have been called off. Mm. And it's just not right. Of course, it's not just Chelsea. But other teams have not been as badly affected. No. And if they have, they haven't mm. had. They haven't played games. Yeah, but they're not looking. The thing is, they're not looking to seek an advantage through that. It's just circumstances. No one can help that. Can Why they? didn't they call that game off? What was their What was their th reasoning that Chelsea should have to play that game yesterday? There was well. no reason for them to play that game yesterday. It was completely and utterly unfair. Just you know, as I say, no integrity in the league. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. On Cross from the Mirror is with us as we reflect on the Premier League weekend. We look back at uh, the Tottenham-Liverpool game just before the uh, sports headlines. Um, but uh, John, uh, Andy was pointing out to me, we, we kind of saw a, a difference in approach uh, between um, Arsenal and Wolves yesterday. I mean, Arsenal looked at a weakened seed, a lead side and decided to get into them very early and put them to the sore, which they did. Wolves probably could have looked at Chelsea's team sheet and seen it as an opportunity, but were a bit circumspect, Andy, you felt, didn't you? Absolutely. I, they, I can't believe they didn't go for it. The second half, they just sat back. They were quite happy for a nil-nil. And, uh, you know, I, I'm interested. Your colleague, James Nursey, said, um, uh, despite missing a host of key players and requesting the fixture be postponed, the title-challenging Blues still had enough firepower to see off the home side. What firepower? They had four strikers out. <laughs> no, well, I've been through it. How would Arsenal have been without uh, Martinelli, Saka, Lacazette and Aubameyang? How, what, what sort of team could they have put out? It's a ridiculous thing to say. If you've got all your positions and injuries in one place, you know they had to have people on the bench who've, who've played one game in eight weeks. I mean, honestly, you know, it really was poor that the league made Chelsea play. Well, let's start there, John. Well, what do you make say, of that? It- in defence, in defence of my colleague, I think that James is making the point that they've still got a very strong team, Chelsea. But I get the point about the what forwards. strong team. They didn't have a strong team. They had to play oh. Chalabar in midfield. He's a oh. defender. They did well, not have uh, a well. strong team. They did not have a strong team. You haven't asked what would any other top team do without four of their leading strikers. Mm. You don't think you don't think Pulisic could have scored in the second half? It's a super wow. save from Sar. Yeah, he had super one. They, they created Best one chance, chance of the game. Yeah, good chance, chance, but they the created game. one chance. You know, and he's not yeah. a striker. He's a you know he's a winger. So well, he should have I, scored. I, I mean, that doesn't make you know. But there is a reason yeah. they spent two hundred and ten million on Havertz, Lukaku, and Werner. It was hopefully the idea that they had some strikers. Yeah, I listen. I do see that point. Although I must, I must say, I you know did tweet about this yesterday. In that basically. It's interesting, isn't it, that basically Arsenal faced, um, you know, making comparisons there with Arsenal, Arsenal faced Chelsea back in August when they they were ravaged by COVID and got absolutely no sympathy whatsoever. What was it? I think it was seven players and and staff are tested positive and unavailable for that Chelsea game. And yet, you know, it was still set in the yeah, but how many, how many? 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 How I, I I have sympathy with Chelsea because where where you have uh, inconsistencies is when you have games that are called off. I think for for perhaps less cases um, than than Chelsea had. Uh, I mean, you can argue that Chelsea, Arsenal's game Chelsea... should have been called off as well. You know, you can make that argument. I mean, if you're going to, you right. either call no games off or you call the games off. You know, you have to well, you, I, you listen, have to have I, some I, consistency. Yeah, no, I agree with you. We we absolutely must have consistency. Where I think this system currently falls down is because I think the Premier League have taken a look at Chelsea and said, 
well, actually, you're still able to field a very strong team. But I don't think you should be judging that necessarily on 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 that particular case. You know, their their guidelines, the Premier League, are if you can field 14 players, including a goalkeeper, it's game on. And I don't know, you know, that that's necessarily fair because I do also think the grey area comes into it because they're judging those players on, are they Premier League standard? Are they Premier League ready? Well, in, in Chelsea's case, Chelsea almost penalised because they are, you know, do have a good, strong squad. And so basically they deem it that they can swallow some of those COVID um It was positives. seven cases, according to Rebecca Lowe's just text me. said you know, Tuchel said it was seven cases well, after the game. Well, I'm just telling you well, what she said. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair, fair enough. But I think that the, the, the Premier League have deemed that Chelsea have still got a strong enough squad uh, to cope with that. And, and I, United I, didn't. I, <laughs> yeah, this is no consistency. Well, no, I'm not just, no, I, I'm agreeing with you, Andy. You're getting wound up about this. And then basically, I, I, I'm actually agreeing with you. I think that some, when you compare some of those cases uh, to it, um, then, then I, I, I think there is an, you know, sort of a discrepancy here, and I do think there's an, indis- you know, uh, inconsistency, which I think today's meeting mm. should look at ironing out, because at the moment you don't have, uh, you don't have a sort of a consistent rule that says how X number of COVID cases should be ruled out. I mean, let's be honest here. You know, if we are talking about seven cases for Chelsea, if, you know, if Tuchel was saying that seven players have tested positive and he's making the very valid point, isn't he, that Jorginho was the latest one to join that rank because of, you know, he, he then travelled with the rest of the squad, which made the rest of the squad nervous and understandably so, then why wasn't Arsenal's game, you know, called off against Chelsea, you know, earlier in the season? Well, you know, where, where do you draw the line? So... I, I just think that, that today's meeting is crucial in trying to find some sort of consistency, which is so far has, has been decidedly lacking. And I think quite a few clubs will will make that point. Leeds yeah, Dean went Smith ahead. not happy about it, is he? He thinks, well, absolutely. Yeah. L- listen, Thomas Frank wasn't happy about it, was he? And Man United weren't happy about it. I mean, it, 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 let's make no mistake here, Andy. I'm agreeing with you in that basically I'm saying that the other games were called off over the weekend and last week, with clubs suffering from less COVID cases than mm. Chelsea had yesterday. Yeah. And that and that is the point that, that Chelsea shouldn't necessarily be punished for, you know, for basically having a stronger squad than, than most just because they are a big club. It makes I mean, you think, gonna hit, John. It's going to hit you hard. It does make you think then that, uh, you know, had there not been six other games called off and Chelsea just gone in in isolation and there wasn't a decision for the Premier League to make, certainly around overseas rights, saying, look, we can't have another one off. We'll only have three games this weekend. If, if they looked at their situation, I mean, I'm sure they would say they did and that's a decision they made. But if there were six games being played or Chelsea versus Wolves, it was an isolated game that needed to be judged in isolation and say nine other matches were going to be played there's a pretty good chance it would have been called off. But maybe for them, it was just one game too many. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, you, you know, I mean, 
how many of those players who tested positive were actually available, I think is 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 the is the bigger point that I was trying to make. You know, sort of, you know, Thomas Tuchel rightly pointed towards seven seven cases. But Ben was Ben, ben Chilwell one of them. Yeah, he yeah. was. That's fair enough. We want to we well, want to make sure I mean, we can come talk... on. That that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Are are they actually COVID cases yeah. that, that that were relevant and ruled them out? I mean, you can't you can't honestly say that Ben Chilwell was one of those seven. All right, still yeah. six. It's still a yeah. lot. And it's still, yeah. you know, it's particularly when you've got injuries and COVID all in one position. Yeah, it and listen, it very I, I, difficult. Andy, I'm in agreement with you. I, I, we, we, I just think it skews the lead. We're rowing against ourselves yeah. here. And yeah. listen, I actually admired Leeds for what they did um, on, on, on Saturday because if you read Angus Kinnear, you know, who's outspoken. He's got lots to say. I think he's fantastic, by the way, because I just think I'd rather have that with someone opinionated and prepared to, you know, sort of speak up and say some of his comparisons are perhaps not particularly appropriate. But I, I, I you know, I thought it was interesting that he was sort of doubling down on players not being mm. vaccinated in, in his column in the Sunday Times. I thought that was interesting to read. But then once you've said that, then, then leads who are ravaged by injuries rather than COVID you know, had to play almost because, they, they, you know, their chief executive is brave enough to speak up. Mm. Similarly, with Jurgen Klopp yesterday, you know, it, once he says, I don't want to shut down, which he did do before the game, then, then basically Liverpool's game almost has to go ahead. And and yet, you know, Arsenal did, you know, make, hey, let's let's be yeah. honest here, uh, against a, a, a ravaged Leeds side, a Leeds mm. team which was far weaker than, 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 than Wolves. And and listen, going back to Wolves, um, Chelsea, very briefly, have you seen how few goals that Wolves have actually scored? Hmm. I mean, it's 13 goals now in 18. They're so negative. I mean, you know, Chelsea yeah. were there for I mean, the I thought Lager, I thought, you know, Lager was making a difference and I saw them early earlier in the season and they were, they were excellent to watch, really entertaining. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, I think because they were suffering some defeats, I think he's slightly come back and been a bit more defensive, gone back to Santo tactics, if you like, and maybe that's why they didn't come out to play a bit yeah. more against Chelsea. Just want to squeeze a couple of things in. I said earlier on that we, you know, we can judge Tottenham on whether they can play with that intensity on a regular basis because they had had a couple of weeks off. Similarly, you know, Arsenal played very well. They played some lovely football. They knocked it around well, but they weren't really up against much. So and again, you also have, played 10 games less than everybody to, else yeah, because in the they're top not in Europe. That's six, again, that's, yeah, big advantage. That's something out of their control, and that always is the case. You know, when you're not in Europe, you are fresher. But you know, again, they, they did play. They played some lovely stuff. But, um, you know, it's very hard to judge where they're at until they come up against real quality opposition in a situation like that. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is interesting, isn't it, at the moment? Martinelli sees the opportunity. I mean, you know, Arteta's decision and, you know, hard line on Aubameyang um, to ostracise him completely after, you know, after his disciplinary uh, uh, issues uh, looks good when you're winning frankly, and, and mm. that's what they've done. But Martinelli, who I think is an outstanding prospect and really exciting player, has seized that opportunity in that opening and gone, OK, you know, he was terrific in that game, quite apart from his two goals. You know, Saka, um, you Saka know, has, has, has looked really They're very good. clinical, yeah, Arsenal, compared yeah. to, say, Spurs and oh, Chelsea. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's one thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're, if you're clinical in those situations and the amount of chance, they made more chances, mm. had more shots on target than any team in the Premier League this season. I think that includes City. Just a real quick one on City, Newcastle, John, because we're nearly out of time. Um, Pep wasn't happy with the performance but they had more than enough for Newcastle a daft first goal putting them behind the eight ball within about three minutes and they, they never I mean it's 
it's looking it's looking really really tough for them, isn't it? I mean, they can bring some bodies in, and that may make a difference, but it's it, nothing's really made a difference so far, has it? With with Eddie Howe no. in these early stages. No, the the only thing, if you look at the table, the table gives them hope, doesn't it? Hmm. Because even though they've played some more games than, than Burnley and Watford, for example, <sighs> they're still within touching distance, and that gives them hope. But I have to say, they're suffering big defeats. You know, Man City are an awesome side, and hmm. and we probably go back, don't we, to default position and say City favourites for the for the title. Um, and they're playing so well. They're playing so well at the moment, really are. But Newcastle, you, you do wonder, have they got enough firepower? I think they're looking uh, in January more defensive strengthening than, than anything else. And they need to because they are shipping goals. But I, I do think Eddie Howe gives them a chance, gives them some sort of optimism and has got them playing you know, slightly better. If they can keep on improving, making slight improvements, then they give themselves a chance in games. I do think that the tightness at the bottom of the table gives them hope. No one's adrift. They're certainly not adrift. And a few weeks ago, there were six points adrift. Well, now, you know, they're still within touching distance. Mm. And I do, I do yeah. still think it's not over for Newcastle, but it's no, going to be a long no, struggle. not at all. Uh, John, uh, always a pleasure. Have a great Christmas. We'll catch up with you soon. And you, boys. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Russian, a cyber criminal group called Klopp, or as Mike really? Perry would say, not that I'm suggesting the German coach of Liverpool. Are <laughs> you spelling that? Not the hey, same way. No, C L O P P. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Good though. Not great for Paul Tierney, though. He'd be looking over his shoulder <laughs> if it was anything, wouldn't it, really? And um, John Daly, I saw him playing in that Fathers and Sons tournament. Yeah. He's got like a long white beard and a long white hair. He's very Good busy. time of year. Very busy for him this time of year. Good time absolutely. of year. <laughs> to, to go with uh, that look. Um, and now, there's one of the other stories mm. today, Andy, is that if you're a big chess fan, uh, you can have dinner with Gary Kasparov, the uh, Russian ex-world okay. champion, right, in a New York hotel. What do you think the going rate is to have dinner with Gary Kasparov in a New York hotel? What would you expect to pay, Andy? Ten grand. Okay, well, yeah. You, I, I personally wouldn't. No, but, but you, you think know, that's but, what Gary charges? Yeah, that's what he goes out for, well, I'd say so, like at least. Say. Yeah. He doesn't get out of bed for less than... Well, it might even his... be more. We'd be surprised. Well, uh, no, four grand. Four grand? Oh, well, Are you bargain. tempted then? Very much so. I, I suppose you have to pick up the tab as well. I suppose, does that include the food? Yeah. Or is that just his fee? Well, as I can't actually play tab. chess, it would be a bit of a waste of time with me, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't it? You both sit there staring yeah, at each other. You just teach thing. me the rudimentaries. Yeah. You just, did you, well, after you've said to him, did you see the Queen's Gambit? And he'll say, I haven't watched it yet. That'd be it. That'd be the end of the conversation. Do you know you? Nigel Short? You should say, Boris Spassky, was he all that? 08717. You can do a little bit of that with him. But the, 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 yeah. that's the thing. Sometimes you find yourself in... The, maybe a talk sport listeners has that happened to you you can be with somebody quite famous but not have any knowledge of what they do for example if we mm. found ourselves uh, andy and i in the company of the world rally champion i don't see i don't even know who it is and it's great so i'm sitting at a table at a do you get these black tie do's and you're sitting there and this is uh, you know charlie farns barnes i'll, I don't think I'll it be able to say moment. to him you know what about paddy hopkirk yeah but once you've done that <laughs> and he says yeah i, I yeah, know the name yeah <laughs> well, and then there's that slightly the eggy the have you found yourself with <laughs> someone famous but have absolutely no sort of knowledge or 
real interest, let's be honest, in the area of expertise they have. And just how eggy was it? Go on, squirm away this afternoon and do let us know your stories. Talksport.com, text 81089, tweet TSH&J. We heard that um, Harry Styles has been offered a million dollars to do a New Year's Eve gig. Has he? And um, I thought the interesting one was, what do you think, it's a little quiz for you, Andy, what do you think Nicki Minaj charges for a bar mitzvah? I, mean, I don't mean I don't mean to oversee it. She's not a rabbi or anything. But I'm just saying, what does she charge to do like a post bar mitzvah more than party? She does for circumcision. So. <laughs> yeah, she's not a moil or anything. But uh, what is what is uh, what is uh, oh, yeah. this was in 2015, so seven years grand. ago. Hundred grand. No, no, no. Nicki Minaj. Yeah, you know, she, she turns up. She comes on post. She turns up post bar mitzvah. Goes through the hits. But this, this is, is seven years ago. This is an old. This is an old. Film. Twenty grand. Twenty grand. I don't know. I've never booked Nicki Minaj for a permit. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever booked Nicki Minaj? Oh eight seven. No. Um, Five hundred grand. She wanted in twenty fifth. Minaj. Five hundred grand for the post bar mitzvah. Three of them. Not even post- a menage a trois. <laughs> <laughs> the post bar mitzvah party. So That's I'd say now she'd she'd be want she'd be wanted about seven hundred and fifty grand for. Them. <laughs> So if you've got Crazy. any thirteen-year-old kids who says, uh, "I want Nicki Minaj," <laughs> you know you're going to have to be you're going to have a lot of money. You you're going to have, have to have a lot of can't money. Have Nicki Minaj, you can have Helen Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know if she does. A, I don't know if she does a, a different set. <laughs> who Helen or Nicki? I know, uh, Nicki. I just don't know if she. She does. It's a very different evening. Well, it's a lovely thought. Yeah, it's just quite a lot of clarinets knows? in the in the orchestra when she. Anyway, we'll move on. And uh, shock news from GB News: They were forced oh, yeah. off the air by technical difficulties yesterday morning. How could you tell? Did anyone notice? <laughs> we are. Oh, there's another one gone home. Andy Jacobs. I've got some place planning. I won't be working. But yeah, I won't I've be got... working there anyway. No, I've got some planning news. Oh yeah. Do you want some planning, planning news? news? I yeah. can bring you some planning news. I haven't uh, set everybody up for this, but I can do. Planning news. This involves Greg Rosetsky uh, from the world of sport. The way it works is, is it a this, tennis folks? court. He wants. It's uh, on a quiet news day. Um, probably the work placement person is uh, told to go and uh, have a sort of rummage mm. through. Um, planning applications and see if anybody famous is looking to do something. Mm. Well, in this case, it's our old mate Greg Rosetsky, the former British uh, tennis number one. He's clashed with neighbours over plans for a retreat uh, at Mm. his home. The Wimbledon Stars therapist, her wife Lucy, wants to run yoga workshops. The couple also plan a wellness B&B. But locals in uh, Curdford in West Sussex claim he has no interest in the community and fear for an increase in traffic. Oh, I mean, dear. How many people are going to be lining up? Because <laughs> Greg Rosetsky's wellness retreat. That's right. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, you don't want to start doing gigs in the back garden with Nicki Minaj. <laughs> Um, her agent, uh, apparently Lucy, said none of the activities will you generate... You see the Duke of Kent going there for a massage. Yeah, you, you <laughs> quite possibly loves, he loves his tennis. He does. Doesn't he? he does love it. So anyway, that was some planning news from, uh, from mm, the world. Planning news. Planning news. Planning news. news. Planning news. The world of uh, the Daily Star do love a scare story. Uh, winter or summer. This one's a winter one. Mm. Polar plunge Polar to plunge. grip until 2022. I had a fiver on that, 15 to 1. <laughs> Temperatures will nosedive to minus that they won't. You always do this. It's never as bad as you well, say it's going to be. When we're in the new ice age and the star come looking for you and say we were right all along, Andy. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. We are duty bound to talk cricket. Uh, another Ashes defeat mm. for England. Resistance 
finally broken, of I course. I love Joe Root. He says, we've got to stop making the same mistakes. We've got the same captain, the same coach, the same selection process. Why would you expect anything yeah. different? I mean, the areas where we appear to be coming up short is bowling, batting and fielding. <laughs> so, <laughs> Apart so, from that, it's going so, very well. So, I mean, there's, you know... There, I mean, Selection as well. Selection's yeah. misreading of the conditions. And, and say resistance ended in fairly bizarre fashion um, with uh, Joss Butler treading on his own stumps. But, you know, Joss Butler needed to make double hundred with the amount of catches he dropped and in he, this game. He did well, actually. Uh, but anyway, well, let's, but, you know, still didn't make up for it. Um, let's look at what England do need to do with a former England player and indeed selector. Angus Fraser joins us. Good afternoon, Gus. Good afternoon. I like that introduction. <laughs> well, I mean, what, this what is... What do we need to do? Well, it's all we... hospital pass that one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what do, well, we need to bat better, bowl better and field better. So, I mean, it, it's it's the basics, I believe they call it. Yeah, well, that was what Martin Johnson famously wrote, didn't he? In the, I think it was in the Independent then, mm. before my Gatting's tour, wasn't it? The England have three problems: can't <laughs> back, can't bow, can't field. And um, maybe it's not it's not as drastic as that, but they certainly need to improve in all the areas if they're going to challenge Australia in the last three Test matches. It's been um, uh, pretty numbing, hasn't it, viewing for the last uh, couple of weeks? You know, this was an Australian team shorn of its best two bowlers. Yeah. I mean, I know Joe Richardson bowled well and everything, but even so, you know, it's, 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 I think you can lose. It's the way they're losing that's so frustrating for people. It is. I mean, all right, you could say that without Cummins and uh, Hazelwood, who are two all-time greats, but they're, so they're losing. I mean, the bowlers that they're replacing with are, are still pretty decent bowlers, but they're obviously not of the same quality. So you'd expect or hope for a closer contest, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I say we've uh, that's the starting point. Well, this is they're better than us, and we can promote and try and and sort of build up a series before it starts. And uh, and England have got hope, and if they do this and they do that, but uh, Australia are a better side. We've said there's two sort of fragileish batting lineups, um, but Australia have a younger, fresher, stronger bowling lineup, so they're going to make our batsmen struggle more than we're going to make their batsmen struggle, and uh, that that has been the, that has been the case. Constantly but, mis sorry, hmm, Paul. Constantly yeah. misreading the conditions though doesn't help, does it? They got it wrong in the first test. They got it wrong in this test. Yeah, I, I have some sympathy there, and I know that's fine in the face of sort of a lot of people's views. And again, we're on the other side of the world, so to, to judge what it's like in Brisbane when you when you're sat in Pinner is not that is not that easy. Hmm. But uh, equally, you, you start off with a pitch, you make a judgment on the pitch. Yes, it might. It's got a tinge of green to it. It's going to do a bit in the first couple of hours. You ask your batsman, though, would you rather face a ball that goes sideways on the first two sessions or would you rather face a ball that goes up and down on days four and five? And most batting sides would say they'd rather face a seeming ball uh, because at least the bounce is consistency. And if you judge your tech, if you get your technique right, you can, you can accommodate it. But you've got to get through those first couple of sessions to, to sort of benefit from that. Uh, so if you're going to, if you're going to look to, um, bat first then you need to play a spinner so i can i can see the logic behind it but um yeah when you when you skip about 150 on the first day and you lose a wicket with the first ball it uh, it sort of sends the wrong vibes to everybody very early on in the series doesn't it it, it was after your time mm. gus as a, as a selector that they did make this change and it's now these days at the kind of behest of the coach and and the captain to decide what to do how successful do you think 
that has been? Do you, do you think maybe um, a little bit of outside influence, somebody slightly removed from the camp is still a useful voice to be heard? It is. I think the game of cricket is still trying to work out how to sort of deal with the coach-captain selection sort of uh, situation. And I, we're yet to find the right one. I mean, it, you look at football and the manager is there, isn't he? He's in charge. He's calling the shots on the sideline. He's making the substitutions, making the changes. With cricket, it's slightly different because you're, 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 you're making decisions on the sideline, but then you're asking someone else potentially to go and lead that team for two and a half, three hours at a, at a, at a time. Um, and you can't have people just running on with messages and stuff like that. It looks ridiculous. So it's understandable that the, the sort of captain has bigger input, but coaches are almost becoming closer to football managers. We trialled this at uh, Middlesex. Uh, with Stuart Law, and, and again, I don't think it, it, it's quite worked out that you've got a coach in, in total charge. It just makes that person is then very vulnerable for results, and is there any long-term thinking? So even though it was a bit archaic, the old method of having some selectors uh, going out and about making some decisions, watching players, the fact that they can deflect a bit of the blame and almost take some criticism because it's it, the number of times when I was a selector, you just said, oh, well, the selectors have got it wrong. They made a complete horlicks of it again. But at least it gave the captain and the coach a bit of protection and a bit of room for manoeuvre. But now um, that any sort of mistakes that have been made, and there have been selection mistakes made, uh, it's firmly sort of put on their shoulders. Interesting. The last 11 tests, the Sky have just put up a graphic. Lost eight, drawn two, won one. I mean, that's poor. And Australia never leave Lyon out. They persevered with him. He wasn't so great when he first started, but you now he's a wonderful bowler. We know that. But having no spinners in the team, they still, with their makeshift spinners of Root, Milan, and I can't remember the other one was Robinson bound up bowling spin. <laughs> they took five yeah. for 133. That tells you that they needed a spinner. You know, it's... Really frustrating. I just can't accept. I, I can accept I losing, I mean, but well, not the way they're losing. I agree, and I, I'm sort of frustrated as well because almost the selection for the second test was a knee-jerk reaction to the first test, wasn't it? And the fact that they didn't pick Broad or Anderson, uh, they picked a different attack, which was more balanced with Wood as a fast bowler and Leach as a spinner. And all right, you could argue should Broad have played ahead of, of Wokes? Question mark. Um, that's that's the only decision that, that that needed to be made there, but in this test, as a reaction to sort of maybe some criticism, some questioning, uh, all of a sudden they've they've gone for five right arm seamers. They've played everybody, haven't they? And again, they've not got it right. They needed a spinner. So the selection thought process, into me, hasn't been particularly clear. To be honest, it's uh, it's difficult. You've got Broad and Anderson, and in everybody's minds, they're always the answer. But have we got to move on from Broad and Anderson? They've been great cricketers. Um, but it's a bit sort of worrying when you keep talking about two bowlers whose average age, or sort of a, probably 75 years old, aren't they, between the two of them? Yeah. They're yeah. going to be the answers to England's problems every test match that they don't win. One final one, very quickly on the batting. A lot of people who are kind of casual cricket fans will think, why are England always two down cheaply? Why, why is Root having to come in? Um, and, you know, it's going to be three and four that are trying to bail you out. There must be options. Uh, so I suppose the question is, if you, what are we saying to them? Why, why aren't there options? Why aren't there other players that could step up? Why are we having all these issues uh, with our opening uh, batsmen? Uh, because, I mean, to be fair, the best batsmen are out there. Um, and, and that might not please a lot of people or fill them with hope. 
but but they're the best cricketers out there. I don't think the squad that I don't think many people are arguing about the squad that was picked and there should have been him or should have been that person there. Uh, yes, you can you can change things around a bit. You could bring Crawley in and people like that, and Lawrence are over there. But these are the best players there. Sadly, there is a shortage of high quality batsmen at the moment in time. I would say that the pitches that we play on in England could could improve. Uh, they've been too bowler friendly, and and therefore you've not got players that are, are sort of used to batting for three or four, six, seven hours, which is obviously what you need to do. And how someone like Lava Shane has, uh, has shown everybody what what how to how to play in these conditions. So. Yes, there are issues that we need to correct in the UK, but as far as I'm concerned, the best players are out there. We've got to get more out of them. You know, Labuschagne's a very, very good player, but it doesn't help if you drop him four times. No, that's been it. Well, we haven't got time to explore the, the catching, <laughs> unfortunately. Gus, good to talk to you. Thank you for joining us. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We will do it all again. Actually, you're having a break tomorrow, Andy, aren't you? I am. After your marathon stint. Yeah, I've got to get on. I'm booking Nicki Minaj for Christmas. I'm sure you are. (laughs) I think she's about three quarters of a million pound, Andy, so be prepared for that. And she wants a parking space. She's she's factored that in these days. She really... So uh, we'll be, um, I'll be back with Charlie uh, Baker tomorrow and uh, Andy's back on Wednesday. Don't forget Christmas Eve, our big Christmas Eve do with the listeners from around the world virtually this year. Um, So if you can join us tomorrow from one great, if not podcast available around four. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.